you're in the ED. In one room, you have an abscess suspicious for MRSA. And in the other room, a really sick calcium channel blocker overdose that is not doing well with hypotension and ARDS. If only EM ToxCast could cover these topics all in one podcast. Well, that's what's happening now. We're doing a little bit of a weird combined EM and Tox podcast. A couple of things sort of struck me for the podcast this week's, and one of them is an article hot off the press for a New England journal about the use of quadruple strength Bactrim or trimethoprim sulfa uh, twice a day for INDing abscesses or after INDing abscesses. And the other one is a an article that is part of the Tox LLSA articles on use of ECMO in the poison patient. Uh, a lot of talk about ECMO uh, in the uh, Twitterverse, uh, especially on the critical care side. So let's start with the ECMO article. Kind of interesting. If you went to med school in the 80s like I did, you sort of remember ECMO as a very promising but uh, ultimately not very uh, rewarding foray into trying to resuscitate patients. Uh, and the dilemma was uh, uh, had a lot to do with the ECMO circuitry. And there was a, uh, an article just uh, in 2013 about discussing ECMO and the changes in ECMO in the treatment of poison patients. Um, it'll be on the show notes, but it's extracorporeal membrane oxygenation in the treatment of poison patients by Delang et al., and that is in clinical toxicology. Uh, it is a group from the Netherlands who reviewed uh, the use of ECMO and techniques, and they talk about how during the H1N1 pandemic in 2009, there were a number of very sick, very sick patients who were treated successfully with ECMO, and that uh, began to stimulate folks' interest in using ECMO uh, as a, a bridge to recovery, uh, to use the, the terms that they use uh, here in the paper. And ECMO is very complicated. Um, you can look at the paper or any text you want to look at the various connections and, and uh, circuitry for ECMO, but I think if you boil it down to the simplest situation, you basically need to remember only a couple of things. And one of them is that there's two types, venous veno-venous ECMO, and the other type is veno-arterial ECMO. And veno-arterial ECMO is used for refractory shock. Um, Venovenous ECMO or VV is used for ARDS and when only ARDS is present. Okay, so VV ECMO is for only when ARDS is present, and VA ECMO is for shock refractory to fluids, inotropes, and pressors. Um, you can have ARDS uh, and refractory shock. You would still use VA ECMO, but if you only had ARDS, you would use VV. Uh, so those are the indications, if, if you will, uh, the idea to bridge a patient to some recovery in the case of an overdose, uh, bridge them so that they could metabolize um, or eliminate the toxin in some way, shape, or form. Uh, there are some very uh, absolute contraindications, and one of them is uncontrolled coagulopathy. Uh, you do have to uh, anticoagulate the patient to get them on the circuit. And the other would be severe intracranial bleeding. 
there are some relative indica- contraindications, age, severe irreversible brain injury, uh, metastatic CA that's untreatable. Uh, there is suggestion of severe organ dysfunction, um, and if you've been on a uh, high-pressure, positive-pressure vent for more than seven days, that would be relative complications, contraindications. The complication is mostly bleeding at either the surgical site for VA or the catheter site for VV ECMO. So there you have it. So if you have a very severely overdosed patient, you've tried everything, pressors, lipid emulsion, you name it, uh, consider uh, probably in most cases for poison patients, it would be VA ECMO that we would be considering. Uh, so that nice paper and a reference to that will be uh, on the website. Uh, so we go from that, the sublime, to the very commonplace, which is draining cutaneous abscesses in the emergency department. And you know, the, th- the, the teaching for a long, long time was that I, simple IND is all you need for a cutaneous abscess. Uh, in the age of MRSA, where abscesses are getting more common and, to be honest, somewhat uglier, uh, that uh, teaching has changed somewhat to recommend uh, antibiotics when there is a MRSA sub- suspicious abscess. There's been all sorts of papers published on this. Multiple uh, abscesses in different locations are suspicious. Uh, Greater than five centimeters are suspicious. In any case, I think what most clinicians do is IND a simple abscess, and if they see something suspicious for MRSA, they will cover it. Uh, And if they they see a fair amount of surrounding cellulitis, uh, they may also use antibiotics there. It's probably one of the major judgment calls in, in medicine, um, something you really look at by eye and really determine whether a patient who has a simple abscess needs uh, PO antibiotics to cover. So great paper uh, in New England Journal uh, just came out, and it's a multi-center trial. Some uh, folks are uh, friends of mine um, who looked at this from one coast to the other and enrolled well over a thousand patients. Um, I won't go over the details of the study other than to say that it was a modified intention to treat trial. So what is a modified intention to treat trial? Well, a modified intention to treat trial means that you are able to exclude participants in the study after randomization. An intention to treat trial, uh, everybody must be included even if they didn't adhere. So think about that for a second, right? So you're treating patients in the ED, and you write a prescription, and this is your intention. Take this prescription. That's your intervention. I've done an IND. Take this prescription. How many times do the patients get the prescription filled? How many times do they actually take the whole course? Uh, If the patient came back in a week and a half, two weeks with a persistent abscess or needed a second drain, and it only took two days of antibiotics, would you say to them, well, you know, the problem is because is your noncompliance. You didn't take the antibiotics. So that would justify what we would call a modified intention to treat trial. But there are a little, there's a little slippery slope there because there's a, somewhat of a bias, bias uh, in these trials. And there's been some papers published that shows that if you are able to exclude participants after ran, randomization, you are biasing the study in some way, shape, or to the treatment, Right. So um, I think just a little caveat to keep in mind, 
I don't think that really detracts from the study in any way, shape, or form as long as you understand the data, to be completely honest. So um, a couple of notes about the study. About half of these abscesses were MRSA. Uh, in 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 this in the structure of a modified intention to treat trial, there was assessment at various points uh, in the study, and interestingly, the early assessment done uh, within 48 to 72 hours showed roughly uh, no effect of the antibiotic uh, versus placebo after you drained an abscess. The greatest effect we're seeing in patients who adhere to the protocol completely. So it's quadruple strength trimethoprim sulfa. That's two double strength uh, trimethoprim sulfas twice a day for seven days. The difference there was roughly 7%. So with the antibiotics, there was about a 93% cure rate. And without the antibiotics, with placebo, there was an 85% cure rate. Interestingly, there was only roughly a 64% adherence to the complete seven-day regimen. You needed to take at least 75% of the study drug to be considered part of the protocol. So roughly speaking, that, that comes out to about you know five days of drug to say, well, you really gave the Bactrim a chance. Um, if you looked at the modified intention-to-treat uh, point, that was earlier in the study that didn't exclude people who were uh, less compliant, et cetera. The, the difference is roughly the same. It's about a 7% improvement uh, over placebo. So um, it's, it's, it's a small difference, uh, roughly 7%. I think my the back of the envelope number needed to treat here is roughly 12 or so. Don't quote me on that. Um, and suggest that, in my mind, that adding quadruple strength Bactrim, two double strength pills, uh, will give uh, just a slightly better outcome to patients, especially if they are um, a MRSA suspicious abscess. And and these abscess, close to half grew MRSA um, with the uh, right characteristics for invasiveness and the, the abscess size was fairly large. Most of these were, on average, two by two and a half abscess with erythema surrounding it that were five by seven centimeters. I think most of us would say that those were abscesses that were suspicious for either uh, MRSA or having a surrounding cellulitis. And I think a good majority of us would probably tilt towards treating with an additional antibiotic. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, a little bit of news you can use in terms of uh, Bactrim and abscesses uh, and a little interesting thing on ECMO in uh, poison patients. So hopefully we'll be back next week with uh, our Journal Club uh, podcast and I will talk to you then. All right. Bye now.